Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 27th episode. My sister Hatcha actually corrects me. I thought we were on 26 again because it's Groundhog Day, but number 27 in the PEM podcast uh, episode list. That's my bird in the background laughing hilariously. Um, uh, PEM podcast, uh, Psychic Eye Mystery podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Lori, with my fabulous sister Sandy um, coming to you. <laughs> that you will see recorded, but right now we're alive, which, you know, I had my doubts last week. So the reason that we are a little bit late recording and getting this up was um, I had a terrible case of food poisoning uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning. Um, it was bad. It was like, please take me to urgent care bad. <laughs> Give me a shot in the ass to make me stop vomiting bad um so yeah so it was a it was a, a rough week for sure um and you know i i kept trying to catch up and um just didn't until this week so it's not sandy's fault she you know always comes prepared it is me this is why my nickname you know last minute Lori, rides again so anyway so how are you doing sans you doing good how's your summer going so far how's the it's bunny gate How's bunny gate? I hate that bunny. <laughs> Little baby bunny gets born every year in my in my yard. And usually it's cute. You watch it. It scampers, you know. So I've been doing that. And then it started eating all of my freshly planted flowers that I spent hundreds of dollars at the nursery on. <laughs> and I bought this rabbit spray, like it's supposed to be a deterrent. It's not working. So now I the by this news. Yeah. So four of the plants out of the 12 I planted have been gnawed down to the bare stuff. Like they'll never bloom. Not so happy. Did you, did you take my advice? And like, no, I did not. So my advice was, and I don't, I have no idea if this will work, but like it's worth a shot. Is no, it is not. The, is to go to the grocery store and get, you know, the live lettuce, with like the roots at the bottom. Right. So you can keep in your fridge in your fridge and it'll keep longer um, i'm like just plant those just plant a couple of those you know and attract uh, more wildlife to eat my yard <laughs> yes for sure you know uh, or next year you could just plant flowers in pots you know just a suggestion it it's a wonderful suggestion except the yard does not support you know, no, it's whatever. a circle. I get it. Yes. And there's a little bit of elevation. Um, but I will say your yard is a beautiful little sanctuary. You've just done a, a marvelous job with it over the years. So um, this coming from my sister who only a couple of years ago, um, no green thumb at all. Killed everything. At, Killed yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're supposed now, to water that? And now she's got the, this little oasis going on. It's kind of cool. Um, okay, so let's get to it. The book that... Um, that we are showcasing this week is Killer Insights, number four in the Abbey Cooper Psychic Eye Mysteries. Um, this one, you know, like every book I write, is always always has a couple of characters that are modeled after people that I've known. So, um, the premise of this book is Abby and Dutch have a pretty major misunderstanding, and um, she's a bridesmaid in a in the wedding of a former best friend of hers. <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say former in a dear friend of hers. Um, and so she heads out to Colorado. Um, she is feeling that she and Dutch have broken up and she encounters um, 
uh, again, this best friend's brother who she's always had a thing for. So they kind of strike up a little bit of a romance. Um, and then bridesmaids begin to die. Um, of course they do. Hello. Um, and you know, the thing, the thing about this novel um, that sticks in my memory, it's not necessarily the story. It's the fact that it got reviewed. I forget in what publication, um, Publishers Weekly or something. I think it was Publishers Weekly. And um, it got like two stars. Like the woman gave it like two stars. And I was like, what the freak? You know, like I thought I wrote a good book. Well, it turns out... <laughs> she was just about to get married. <laughs> so when like wedding disaster at page after page after page, yeah, I'd be a little turned off by that book too. So, um, you know, uh, don't read it if you're about to have a wedding, I guess. Um, but do if you're already married or, you know, it's down the road for you. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's a cute little story. There's a character in here named Vivian. And um, I will be honest, um, Vivian um, helped me flesh out the character of Gilly. Um, Vivian is an, uh, the grandmother in the group and um, she just kind of um, is outspoken and does what she wants to do when she wants to do it. So there's a scene where it, it takes place at a country club and the silver gets put into Vivian's um, pocketbook along with rolls, along with whatever else she can stuff in there. Um, so she's had a little bit of Sophia Petrillo from the Golden Girls and um, later on in subsequent books for the MJ Holiday series, the Ghost Hunter Mystery series, um, she helped to kind of bring, give Gilly a little bit more, more life. I so enjoyed writing a character like that, you know, that didn't obey rules and just said what they thought. No filter whatsoever. I loved it. So that's killer of course, that would, that would absolutely appeal to you. No filter, say whatever you want, think whatever you want. Yeah total can't I don't figure out why you have smart. that quality i don't it's so hard for me to make it up um yeah <laughs> yeah although i will say i've been doing i've been doing much better you know honestly the past couple of years i've been doing much better like like i have been i have been don't look at me skeptically i have been better i mean come on You've, you've known the rough days, the really rough days, the I don't know her, she's not my sister days. So what ifs, what ifs, I've gotten better. I've, You're I've always my sister. You're always my sister. That's not ever going to change. Yeah, I keep trying to divorce you. It just won't change. <laughs> keep avoiding the server. Yeah. You're just yeah. stuck with me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I have two really cool little anecdotes. Um, so sometimes um, I get very, very fortunate and I will get a spirit in from the other side and they just stun me with how clever they are. Um, so um, as I've said before on this podcast, I don't really hear them. Um, there's no like voice. They just give me a sense of something or a feeling like... Um, and um, they will flash little images in my mind's eye, right? So it's kind of like hieroglyphics. I've got to sort of put it together. So um, I was reading uh, last week for, uh, this was <laughs> the day after I had food poisoning. <laughs> um, I was reading for a woman and her, she was so wonderful. She allowed me to reschedule her reading um, and uh, reading for her and her father came in 
and uh, just a wonderfully excited, exuberant soul, um, had wonderful poo, 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 you know, like um, details uh, that were easily confirmed. Um, and um, he, uh, this woman had a son and he had earlier referenced the son just sending love to his grandson, right? So then in my mind's eye, he flashes a baseball jersey. So immediately I say, um, did your dad love baseball? And my client was like, you know, doing, I don't know, you know, one of those, right? So obviously he wasn't like a huge fan of baseball, right? Didn't have, you know, a team that he followed or whatever, right? Probably just a general sense of, I like sports, right? So in my mind, I go back to the guy and I'm like, you are not showing me anything that she is able to identify as, as confirming it's you. So he drew a nine um, on the pocket of the jersey and he put a nine on the back and then he put the the jersey on and um he kept emphasizing the nine 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 so i said well he keeps showing me the number nine like he, he's the jersey is like number nine in the front number nine on the back and she goes oh my god victoria he was born on september 9th nine nine um so i just thought that was so incredibly clever and sometimes you have to wait a minute you know like sometimes um they're busy kind of trying to bring together um the meaning and you know i tend to jump the gun baseball jersey he loved Jay he loved baseball right and the guy's probably like well you just hold on a second let me draw a nine here um so sometimes you have to kind of wait a second and then um the second an anecdote was also from uh uh this past weekend and um reading for a woman um and her mother i think it was a mother or a grandpa grandmother came through i can't remember which one but it was a female figure came through um, and just, I was, with this woman's help, I was knocking it out of the park, just, and, um, I love that. I love when it's just so specific and jaws are dropping and, you know, I'm excited. And, um, I'm pretty sure it was her mother. Her mother had referenced her granddaughter. So this woman's daughter, and, um, uh, I confirmed that she had a daughter. And um, then I saw a kangaroo in my mind's eye, which is my symbol for Australia. So um, I, I looked at my client and, you know, every time like they show me something like that, I try and, and it's weird, but I try and put their energy in Australia, right? Or in whatever situation is being shown to me. And um, it's hard to describe, but it's almost as if you can move the energy into the thing and see if it fits, right? And it didn't, like her energy in Australia didn't fit. So I'm like trying to figure this out. And then the mother kind of pulled my attention back to the daughter. So um, I said to her, I said, you know, how old is your daughter? Because um, this woman wasn't a whole lot younger than I was. And she said, she's 28. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, does your daughter want to go to Australia? And the woman goes, like your jaw drops. And she goes, Victoria, I named her Sydney after Sydney, Australia. Right? Like how clever and cool is that? I love that. I absolutely like just, you know, um, so clever. It's so cool. Don't you get the baseball Jersey? You always say, knock it out of the park. <gasps> he was helping you knock it See? out of the park. See? Yeah, he did. <laughs> 
quit reminding me of my lingo there, sister girl. Um, yeah, so those are my two anecdotes for the week. I just, I had so much fun with uh, clients after I was kind of able to recover a little bit. Um, it was just, just, you know, spirits were um, knocking it out of the park. Uh, they were doing a great job last week. So I hope it, I hope the trend continues. Um, okay, so we've got, this is an interesting case, Sans. Um, you know, I love that it's got roots so far back and um, that it's about someone who disappeared from um, West Point, the only person ever to disappear from West Point, which is, you know, you think about the history of how long West Point's been around, right? Mm -hmm. And um, how, um, gosh, uh, elevated, you know, everybody thinks of West Point cadets and all of this stuff. So it's, it's really intriguing. So um, take it away and okay. um, then I will give you my thoughts. <clears throat> Richard, Richard Colvin Cox, a second year cadet, disappeared from the New York U.S. Military Academy at West Point on January 14, 1950. Prior to his disappearance, he was visited three times over the course of one week by a man whose first name may have been George. On the third occasion of their meeting, Richard and George left the grounds of the academy and were never seen or heard from again. What happened to Cadet Cox? Over the years, speculation has included that he ran away with George to start a new life and a career outside of the military, that he was recruited into the CIA, or that he disappeared because he of some nefarious activity he'd been involved with like a cheating scandal or a fake ID enterprise. Richard Colvin Cox was born in Mansfield, Ohio to Rupert and Minnie Colvin Cox on July 25, 1928. Richard was the youngest of six children of a family of Christian scientists. His father Rupert died when Richard was 10 due to an aggravated diabetic condition, which he may have survived with proper medical attention. Richard's mother assumed the running of the family business at the Rupert F. Cox Insurance Agency. After graduating high school in 1946, Richard joined the U.S. Constabulary Force, a police-type security force in Allied-occupied Germany. In 1947, Richard applied for and received his appointment to West Point and arrived on campus in January of 1948. Academically, Richard was ranked at about 100 out of a class of 550. He joined West Point's athletic team and competed in the national NCAA competition. He was also engaged to be married he and his fiancee, Betty Timmons, planned to marry after his graduation from West Point. At 4.45 p.m. on Saturday, January 7, 1950, one week before his disappearance, a man with a patronizing tone telephoned the barracks requesting to speak with Richard. The call was answered by West Point classmate Peter Haynes. He told the man that Cadet Cox was not in the, his room, and the man replied, well, look, when he comes in, tell him to come down here to the hotel. Just tell him George called. He'll know who I am. We knew each other in Germany, and I'm just up here for a little while and tell him I'd like to get a bite to eat. At 5.30 p.m. that evening, a man described with fair hair and a complexion as, and as slightly under six feet tall, weighing about 185 pounds, entered Grant Hall, an area where cadets could meet guests, and asked to see Cox. The cadet on duty telephoned Cox to tell him that he had a visitor, and when Cox entered the hall, he shook hands with the man, seemingly glad to see him. Cox signed out of the company B2 departure book, indicating he would have dinner off campus. Richard returned to the cadet com company B2 at 1923, but signed in at 1823 in the departure book, so he would appear to have attended the cadet supper in formation. He admitted to his roommates that he had not dined out, but rather drank whiskey while sitting in his 
friend's car. He then took a shower and went to bed to sleep off the effects of the alcohol he consumed earlier. The next morning, prior to Sunday's chapel service, Richard shared with his roommates some additional details about his friend. The man was a former U.S. Army Ranger who had served in the same unit as he had in Germany. The man liked to brag about killing Germans during the war and had boasted having gotten a German girl pregnant and then murdering her to prevent her from having a baby. Later that Sunday afternoon, Richard signed out a second time to meet the man, returning at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Upon his return, he remarked to his roommates with distaste that he hoped he wouldn't have to see that fellow again. One week later, on the day of his disappearance on Saturday, January 14th, Richard watched a, bit, a basketball game between the Army and Rutgers University. Afterwards, he was seen talking to a man thought to be George, although the cadet who saw the two talking gave a description that differed greatly from the description given by Peter Haynes, who had seen the stranger in Grant Hall on January 7th. According to this cadet, George was dark-haired and rough-looking. Cox returned to his dorm room and mentioned to a roommate that he was signing out to dine with his visitor again, although he appeared sort of disgusted but not apprehensive. With that, the two men left the grounds of the academy and vanished without a trace. When Cox failed to return by 11 p.m. that evening, no, no alarm was raised because cadets occasionally stayed out overnight. On Sunday morning, his roommates reported all that they knew of the matter to their superior. The New York State Police and the CID were informed. The FBI also became involved in the investigation. Three days after Richard Cox's disappearance, a public appeal for information was broadcast on nearby radio stations. The grounds of West Point were intensive, intensively searched on foot and by helicopter. The nearby pond and the Lusk Reservoir were dragged. The banks of the Hudson River were searched. A two-month-long manhunt produced no significant leads. A search of Army records for a soldier who had served with Cox matching the description of George only led to individuals who could not have been at West Point at the time of the disappearance. Cox's service in Germany was investigated and revealed nothing out of the ordinary. The theory that he had deliberately, deliberately deserted the West Point um, institution was discounted as he had left behind in his room $87, which is about $1,000 in today's dollars, and two civilian suits of clothes. Two months following his disappearance on March 15, 1950, Cox was listed as absent without leave. He was declared legally dead in 1957. Reported sightings and theories about Richard Cox's disappearance include, two years after his disappearance from the academy, Ernest Shotwell Jr., a former classmate from the USMA Preparatory School at Stewart Field, claimed he had run into Cox at the Washington, D.C. Greyhound Line bus station, which at the time, Shotwell did not know that Cox had been missing. During the encounter, Cox seemed uncomfortable and was vague about his plans for the immediate future. Another alleged sighting was made in 1960 by an undercover FBI agent. The agent said he met a man who was going by the name of R.C. Mansfield, but later told the undercover agent that his real name was Richard Cox. While later attempts were made to contact the man again, the FBI agent unfortunately never heard from him. Ralph E. Johns, a high school acquaintance of Cox, relayed that when discussing the Cox case with former FBI agent Vince Napoli, Napoli told him that the FBI had been within 24 hours of grabbing Cox, and he couldn't understand why the FBI would not let them pick him up or why they pulled him off the case. Based on Napoli's story, Johns has speculated that Cox might have gotten into some secret government agency such as the CIA. Other supporters of the CIA theory have suggested that Cox died of cancer in 1999 with his alias having never been revealed. In 1986, after a retired teacher began a personal quest to find out what happened to the only person to ever vanish from the West Point Military Academy, talked to a California detective that through an anonymous tip learned that Richard Cox and a man formerly known as Robert Dion had been stationed at Fort Knox together. 
Robert Dion coincidentally matched all the descriptions of George the man had seen at West Point. The two friends had apparently been involved in a fake ID scandal that took place in New York. Still others have suggested that Cox, anxious to get out of his engagement to Betty Timmons, ran away with George to assume a new life and possibly with a male partner. What happened to Richard Cox has remained a mystery for over 72 years. Did he join the CIA? Was he running from the FBI? Or perhaps just the constraints of a traditional lifestyle? My sources for this story include Wikipedia and onlyinyourstate.com posted in New York by Lee Monroe, February 14, 2016. So what do you think happened, me? So um, I, I, I don't think that George, I, I do think George was real. I do think that George had spent time in Germany and that he and Richard had that in common. I don't know if they knew each other in Germany. That to me, I'm not quite sure. Um, they might've met there. Um, I believe that Richard um, uh, was gay. Um, that like the second I started reading it, like by the second paragraph, I was like, these two had a thing. Um, and I just was like, he was trying to conform into a life that he really didn't fit into. So I did a little bit of an automatic writing into it um, about it. And um, the analogy that I kept getting was he was a puzzle piece put in the wrong puzzle and he needed to come out of that puzzle and go into the right puzzle. So the constraints, constraints of uh, Christian science um, upbringing um, that religion, uh, marrying, you know, the good girl, um, going to West Point, um, and uh, conforming, I think just kind of caught up with him. And I think George was the one who wouldn't let it go. I think George was working on him. Listen, you know, you've got to own, um, own who you are. <clears throat> as far as George getting a German woman pregnant and murdering her, I mean, come on. I, I don't, I'm not buying it. Okay. That's something that a boastful person says. That is not something that like, I'm, I just, I'm not buying that. That's that part of the story. Okay. Like I'm sure he, he might've told Richard that, but I don't think he did it. Um, and um, as far as being recruited into the CIA. So here is where, again, it's really interesting the parallels sometimes between these stories and our family. So our father um, was uh, in the army and he spent time in Germany. Uh, he would have been there 1950, 1951, 1952. I think he was in Korea, not- No, he was in he Germany. Was in, he was- I, Like I paid attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he was in, he was in Germany. Yeah, he definitely was in Germany. Um, and, and I remember that because he used to talk about um, that they had to patrol the um, fence between Russian held territory and, Amer and um, Western held territory. The wall, yeah. yeah, the Berlin wall. I don't think it was, I don't know if it was up at that point, but um, okay. this would have been like 1950. It would be interesting kind of research when that went up. But anyway, um, uh, he used to talk about, you know, his days at a, as a cook, he was a cook um, over there. Anyway, um, so it's interesting. Um, and um, our father also had a master's degree in Russian studies from Johns Hopkins University. And there is a story that he used to tell us about meeting with a CIA um, agent who wanted to recruit him. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, he said no. 
So um, I, I, you know, having heard stories from my father who didn't tend to really embellish too, too much. I mean, sure, you know, there's a little bit there. Of course there is, you know, like the storyteller doesn't fall far from the tree, but um, nothing wild like, you know, an, a CIA agent boasting about killing German women, you know, murdering them and their baby, um, you know, like, I'm not buying that a CIA agent intent on recruiting someone would start with that, you know, like it just, it's stupid. It's just ridiculous. So I don't think he was uh, inscripted into the CIA. Um, and even if he had been, even if he had been, there'd be no reason to pull him from West Point um, until he, until he graduated. You know, it's not like, well, this is a kid. It's a, he's a kid. You know, we didn't have other resources. Yeah. <laughs> we needed this, you know, like freshman, sophomore, whatever he is, right? To come into the CIA, be inscripted into the, the CIA and run clandestine, in, you know, investigations where he couldn't reveal his true identity. Again, conspiracy theory, we, you know, crazy bullshit. So I don't buy that at all. Um, as far as the FBI agent who, um, supposedly was about to grab Richard, um, that he and George were in some sort of scheme. Again, it just doesn't bring my bell, bell of truth. And I, I really want to lend, lend credence to things that um, actual FBI agents say, right? Um, certified FBI agents say, but it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't hold water for me. It just doesn't. I, I am trying to do it. I don't know if it was another man that he was almost about to grab. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea, but it just wasn't ringing my bell of truth. The one witness, eyewitness testimony that not I felt like boom um, was uh, uh, Shotwell, um, who met him at the bus station in DC. So I really feel that was an actual encounter. So um, again, I from the first paragraph didn't believe that Richard had been murdered. So I, I do believe that he encountered his own schoolmate and that they had a short, brief interaction. And um, I also believe that Richard was passing through. I don't think he was in the DC area, but again, you know, you get that tidbit, tidbit and you can kind of go, oh, well, maybe he was working for the CIA because you know that's where they found him, right? Coincidence as far as I'm concerned. Um, when I was trying to get a bead on him, on his energy, I do believe he's crossed over. Um, I did not reach out to him on the other side, um, but I do believe that he is now on the other side. And he, he would have been in his, he'd be in his nineties by now, um, well into his nineties. So I believe that he has crossed over. Um, when I was trying to get a bead on like where he spent the bulk of his life, I kept getting drawn to like the Indiana, Chicago kind of border between Illinois and Indiana. Like I kept getting pulled there, but I don't think he lived necessarily in Chicago. I feel like he was South, um, kind of towards Indiana. And then when I was trying to hone in on what I thought he did for a living, um, I uh, had a symbol for teacher pop into my brain. So <clears throat> I think that he probably was, um, convinced by George that he was living a false life and that if he wanted to live in his authentic self 
as risky as it was in the 1950s to do that as a, a gay man, that he needed to basically divorce himself of his identity. And that meant everything. And um, I think that he and George probably had a relationship for a period of time, but I don't believe it lasted. And I, I believe that he ended up probably with someone else um, is sort of my feeling. And again, you know, this is, you can say, okay, Victoria, that's, you have nothing to base that on. I understand, but this is the route that my intuition um, is navigating kind of this very sketchy maze. There's not a lot of information there. And um, so that's sort of my, sort of my feeling. Well, you know, what I think is interesting is the speculation about the fake ID um, scandal that took mm -hmm. place in New York. It would make sense if mm -hmm. he was looking to change his identity to right. have touched upon that and then, you know, kind of moved right west. Right. So, yeah. Right. But, you know, there's a feeling like, <clears throat> like crime has an energy, right? When you are committing crimes, um, we're not talking about speeding. We're talking about like, you know, manufacturing fake IDs, right? Do I think he might have purchased a fake id yes yeah, that's what there's this there's this sense of honesty with him you mm -hmm. know even though um he disappeared right and was okay with people basically um uh calling him dead you know um declared as dead um i just feel that he was really constrained by a life that just didn't fit him and an identity that really did not fit him and um it was this one chance um, I think he thought to escape it because if he had continued um, the pressure to get married, the pressure to, you know, conform um, and take a job where being found out as being gay could kill you, oh, yeah. you know, it would yeah. absolutely probably imprison you. You'd then end up in the brig for sure doing probably hard time. Hello train. Well, um, the, the, there was the, California detective who felt that uh, Richard had assumed the name of Robert Dion, but had been at Fort Knox. Um, yeah. I'm, no. I, it's so ridiculous. Like, it's just so ridiculous, you know? I mean, <clears throat> think what you want about conspiracy theories. <clears throat> um, I tend to look at them as like, how much sense does that make? You know, here's, uh, so you're telling me that the two guys stationed at Fort Knox um, are, are one kind of nefarious character, right? That no one can, can identify who is claiming yeah. that he's murdered a German woman and, you know, uh, because she's pregnant. And they took this freshman, right? Sophomore, whatever he was, um, out of uh, uh, West, Point. Uh, West Point and turned him into a guard at Fort Knox. Um, just insane. Yeah. Like that makes no sense whatsoever at all. So sorry, big skeptic on that one. No. Okay. So basically he assumed the life, uh, my, a mild mannered life as a teacher. Yeah. In, yeah. And I in think that the, Indiana, Illinois. you know, if he had disappeared from any other, you know, if he disappeared from a college, right, just regular normal college, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but because it's West Point and yeah. he's the only one to ever disappear it um, develops a life of its own. Yeah. And then, you know, subsequent um, speculation. But I don't think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you leave the academy without, I don't know, are you AWOL? Are you committing a crime? I'm, you know, uh, I don't well, know. He was, he was declared absent without leave 
So yeah, he, so he could have been prosecuted. would have desertion, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so of course he couldn't tell anybody right. um, if that is in fact what he did, if he just, you know, said bye um, and left to go take up a new life. He couldn't tell anybody because um, he would have been, you know, I don't know if there's any statute of limitations with that. I think, you know, uh, military courts are kind of scary things. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't think he would have told anybody his past. Too risky, far too, far too risky. Far too okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he ended up having the life that he fit. I hope he did. I hope I'm yeah. right. You know, yeah. I really hope I'm right. Um, so uh, it would be a shame to think of a nefarious end for him, obviously. Um, and there's just no, you know, like I've said before, murder has an energy and there's just no there there. Like, yeah. you know, that's the first thing I look for and um, I couldn't find it. So. Well, I'm glad that we aren't doing a murder mystery this week. So. I know. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. My God. Right. So um, no reason to be depressed this, this week, guys. Right. <laughs> Tune in so next week when we level you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'd like to give a shout out to the fan that posted the comment about, you know, if, so fantastic. if I ever get murdered, I like Sandy and Victoria to do the story about me. <laughs> I think that's freaking hilarious. So and we will. And we, we will. will. Yes. But please don't. Please, please don't, don't die. Don't. <laughs> please don't die. <laughs> yes. Don't take that as an invitation to yes, walk down any dark alleys, you know, <laughs> in a seedy part of town. Okay. <laughs> please. Stay alive. We will find we'll you. Find, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I thought that was awesome. And then the the um, subsequent comment that um, we were delightful as children, and Sandy and I promptly went. Of course we were. No, we, we weren't. Angels. <laughs> we were cl Angel. classic children. Classic children. Ah, <laughs> uh, we were all right. But yeah, I don't think we were delightful. <laughs> I really don't think we were delightful. Yeah. I know I wasn't. <laughs> I will own that one. I was definitely not delightful. So anyway, what are you going to do? Um, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you to that fan. That was that really was a lovely um, perk to our day. And we got a, a, a terrific giggle out of it. And, and so um, flattering, you know, like I, I, that's the most unusual, I think, compliment. <laughs> I've ever had, you know, if, if I were murdered, I would want you to investigate it. You know, I think, okay. <laughs> not challenge accepted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, you know, stay alive. Um, so yeah, I thought that was um, adorable. Absolutely adorable. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to uh, the fan that posted that. That was really, really sweet. Um, and we love comments from you. Um, so please leave them. Uh, we're always, uh, we read everything. Um, we're supposed to comment back. I understand. Um, and I suck at it. <laughs> I'm just going to own it. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I'm terrible. You know, I'm terrible at, at calling back friends. This I, is true. I, I, thanks, Sans. Thanks. <laughs> she is not lying. Yeah, no. I mean... <laughs> I, you know, some days you have energy and some days, you know, you don't. And um, yeah, it's hard. To, it's honestly, it's hard to be my, it's not hard to be my sister, I hope, but it, it, sometimes it's hard to be my friend. <laughs> Shut up. It's so mean. It's so mean. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it, being an introvert, 
and being stretched too thin. So what are you gonna do? Anyway, all right, guys. Um, this was fun, Sands. I love this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll have to dig into some more. We've got a couple that are centered around a theme coming up. And um, I think that they are like honestly fascinating. So I'm really excited to do the next four because um, it's they're kind of famous um, and they are all linked by one family. famous person. Family, well, family. Fam family, famous people. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, yeah, we're excited. Okay. Anyway, um, if you uh, would like to learn more about me, head to victorialaurie.com. If you would like to sign up for a reading, victorialaurie.com. If you'd like to learn more about my books, victorialaurie.com. Um, it's all there under one umbrella. Uh, and uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, ring the bell and hit the like button. Uh, it really, really helps us out. And, uh, and, and truly, truly, Thank you, thank you, thank you um, to the fans that kind of consistently listen to us and watch us. Um, uh, we're basically doing nothing to promote this at all. And uh, you guys are increasing our numbers just by talking about it. And we so appreciate you, you have no idea. It really, really, it's just, it warms our goggles. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, all right, Skins, I love you, love you, love you. I will love you talk too. to you sometime this week. Yes, um, when you call me back. <laughs> You just gotta get that one more dig in. Just um call you big. Well now I'm not going to. <laughs> no, I will because I want to hear about the bunny. Because I find it <laughs> stop it. Because I find it delightful. So anyway, kill the rabbit, kill the rabbit. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. No bunnies were harmed in the no. recording of this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks Try for the tuning. lettuce. Yeah. Try the lettuce. Like no, all I'm not trying the lettuce. One. I'm hanging up now. Thank you all. <laughs> Bye, guys. Love you. Mean it. Bye.